0: This is FOMO, the fear of missing out. Oh, and uh, just by way of introduction, uh, 17 years ago today, my beautiful wife Arlene and I got married. You oh. see a little picture? That's our wedding. Very nice. I know. Thank you. Clap for her. Clap for her. Thank you for the anniversary gift. For coming and encouraging us. That's what this is all about. We haven't aged at all. We took this yesterday. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just a little bit. Oh, just kidding. All right. Uh, we are very excited to be here on our anniversary talking to you about the fear of missing out. And uh, just to jump right in, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 22 talks about becoming all things to all people so that by all possible means we might win some. or save some. It's actually the worst math equation in the history of mathematics. All plus all plus all equals some. Does that make any sense? No. Uh, But that's how critical it is that we follow these instructions carefully. That we're not going to see our friends, our family, our neighbors, our classmates saved if we don't invest all of our faith, all of our heart, all of our skills, all of our talent and time. And then, and only then, will some be qualified to make it. Now, followers of Jesus can be kind of extreme, right? Can you... Agree with that? Yeah. We can be, on the one hand, uh, very clueless about what's going on with the world and don't want to see anything or hear anything and kind of block ourselves off. On the other hand, and I'm guessing a lot of you in this room are on the other side that you want to know, you do know, and you're checking your news feed as we're doing this class right now. All right. Uh, today is finding the Jesus middle. That's what we're about today, finding that uh, kind of navigating through the streams and currents of the world. And it starts with this idea of FOMO, this acronym, Fear of Missing Out. And the way that uh, social experts define this is as a social disease. All right? You might be coming here knowing what this acronym is and reading about it. Maybe you're coming in going, that sounded interesting. I want to find out what it is, and that's why you came. Uh, it's an anxiety that others might be having rewarding experiences that I'm not having. Mm-hmm. that I'm absent from, that I'm missing out on someone else having a great time. Therefore, I need to do whatever I can to jump in on those times. Uh, the acronym and then later the viral social hashtag was actually first popularized in 2004 in the Harvard Business School magazine. And the article talks about how this anxiety is characterized. And I'll read it. A desire to stay continually connected with what others are doing. It's also a fear of regret, which may lead to a compulsive concern that one might miss an opportunity for social interaction, a novel experience, a profitable investment, or other satisfying events. Amazon Prime was five days ago. Did anyone get on Amazon.com five days five days ago for Prime Day? All right, the five of us were hooked in. If you don't know what this is, Amazon created their own holiday yeah, where there are all kinds of deals. You're like, ah, I missed it. That's the fear of missing out. Yeah. Uh, but I jumped on and I'm like, man, what deals can I get? I didn't go on the site thinking I needed something. I went on there because I thought there might be a deal that would speak to me and inform me that there was something that I needed. Right. You ever go to the store not knowing what you need, but right. then you go to the store and you realize, oh, I needed that. I need that. Okay, that's called marketing. That's a different class. Oh, no. And uh, I, I, was, I was hooked. I was trying to figure out. I'm like, don't I need an accessory for my iPhone? Of course okay. I didn't. But then I went on there and there was all these great options. You know what I'm talking about? Um, there's actually two forms of FOMO here going on. There's consumer FOMO, uh, the fear of missing out, that there might be a great deal I didn't get. There's also corporate FOMO, other companies were fearing that Amazon was capitalizing on something that they weren't capitalizing on. So other companies started jumping in on it. By the way, Amazon, their sales were slow in the summer, so that's why they created a holiday called Prime Day, right? And so others jumped in. H&M, their version of it, by the way, same weekend, is called literally Prime Time. Like they stole the word as well. Uh, Macy's, they, what they call their ad campaign, same time, is what you can get for $119, which is exactly how much you pay for an Amazon Prime membership. That's their direct marketing campaign to compete. And JCPenney's, if you work for them, I'm sorry, but less creative, they called it Cyber July. Anyway, that happened a few days ago, and it's an example of all the different ways that we can have a fear of missing out. We can have this... In the church in all kinds of ways. Absolutely. We are not impervious or immune to the, having the fear of missing out, even though we shouldn't, we know we shouldn't, we still have it. We can have a FOMO about dating. Mm. Like when you don't know how much more you can handle for those singles, seeing your roommate come home with flowers and cards and hearing about how awesome Valentine's Day was. That's called FOMO. Man, I'm fearing I'm missing out. Where's my boyfriend? Where's my girlfriend? Right. There's a FOMO about marriage. Man, i got to be missing out on something. I don't have a spouse. I I need that. I'm not going to be happy without that. Or the other side, what if I marry the wrong person? Mm. There's a kid FOMO. My life isn't really complete unless I have children. Uh, Married folks and parents can have FOMO about being single again. Sort of retroactive FOMO. I'm missing out on that freedom. Remember when I could go to a movie with my friend? I can't do that anymore, right? That's the FOMO that can creep in. Uh, Folks are discontent in their jobs. And have a fear that they're missing out on a better career. Uh, spring break sounds awesome, but I'm spring broke. Uh, I'm missing out. If I had money, what, what adventures I could go on. All the things I could do, Right. right. Uh, Brands are getting really savvy about this, as you can see, and uh, it's a social phenomenon, and it's uh, leveraging FOMO to sell their product, and you've probably seen examples of these on different commercials. So I put together a little video montage for you to see some clips from TV, from commercials, and interviews we actually did with a few New Yorkers in Manhattan uh, about their thoughts on FOMO. So again, this will just kind of get you marinated in the stench of the fear of missing out. (laughs) We'll start with Ellen.
1: Since I was sick, I couldn't go to any of the Oscar parties. I
0: was planning on going. I know. I was very sad. And then I got to work and my staff uh, was like, you know, oh, the poor thing. And someone said, you, I bet you have FOMO. And
1: I say, like, it's no, it's just a bad cold. And, uh... The fear of missing out um,
0: is really, I think just part the kind of, how many choices you have
1: in your life. I feel like in the United States, you have so much choices, like even when it comes to Education or even when it comes to food, so much of food here, so much of variety of food. And you always feel like, you know, so many restaurants, you always feel like when you go to one place, you're missing out on something. Else. It's true. You have FOMAS, the fear of missing out
0: on smoked sausage. Dunkin' smoked sausage breakfast sandwiches here. We're Alaska Airlines, but we offer free chat, so you can LOL well with your BFF without any FOMO.
1: Everyone knows FOMO, but not everyone knows FOMO. Fear of missing out on the home of your dreams. I you
0: so many choices, whether it's you want to be a career person, you want to be in education, you want to not do that, you want to travel the world. Um, whichever path you choose, I mean, it's great that we have. Like, we have all these paths, we're very much less. But you choose one and you find out, it's not really like.
1: Dear mainland,
0: Aloha. My brother and I keep hearing about your fear of missing out.
1: FOMO, running this way and that, to try and do every little thing, maybe you don't worry about FOMO, instead, maybe you try a little slow with a cold cone of beer. I haven't being alone, I've been trying
0: I'm missing kickoff for this. you by many things. <laughs> Download NFL this is definitely. She has well
1: something
0: Because she doesn't have Sprint Unlimited that now includes
1: Hulu. Wait, what am I missing? Who is that? So
0: a little introduction to continue to think about this concept of FOMO. Let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to jump into the scriptures and look at some biblical examples of the fear of missing out. There is this media campaign happening, whether you know it or not, whether you realize you're a victim of it or not, and the world is telling you there's a smarter version of you out there that is more plugged in, yes. has better stuff, is living a more exciting life, and you need to do something in order to get that. That is what we're searching for scriptural guides on during this class. Uh, now, FOMO's all over the Bible, actually, and because people all are over the Bible, and it's a human struggle. To compare, to feel inadequate, to feel insecure, and to be worried that there's something better out there for you. Uh, Eve had FOMO about a piece of fruit. Uh, Cain had FOMO when he compared himself to his brother. Abraham and Sarah had FOMO about being parents. Esther had FOMO about the king's approval. Uh, David had FOMO about a rooftop romance. Martha had FOMO about her sister Mary, and the list goes on and on and on of individuals that had a fear of missing out. And some, it drove them to get closer to God, and others, it drove them farther away. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, a whole nation is wrestling with the fear of missing out. And we're going to read a big chunk of Scripture, so let's jump in together, uh, starting in verse 4. And I won't have it on the screen, just the reference there, so let's all look together, starting in verse 4. 1 Samuel chapter 8. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old. That's a good way to start the conversation. And your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the Mm -hmm. other nations have. There it is. Verse 6. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me Mm. as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me, serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights, mm-hmm. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. And then we're going to skip over verse eleven through seventeen. But that is the warning, a chunk of warnings, telling them all the terrible things that are going to happen, and things that are going to be taken away from them yeah. when they get what they want. That's right. Verse eighteen: When that day comes, the prophecy is, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. Mm-hmm. Verse 19, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. We'll stop there. The people of Israel had a deep sense of fear of missing out. They feared they'd miss out on what all the other nations had. And they wanted a king like those other nations to be like them. They didn't trust that God had a plan for them. And even after Samuel warned them that a king would draft their kids, make them work the fields, tax them, take the best of their resources and all the other disasters that would befall them with the king, they didn't listen. And even then, one of their hopes was is that when a king comes and leads us, he's going to fight all our battles for us. Who was the first king, guys? You know? His name was Saul. Don't be bashful. Yeah. You, guys. you guys there? You know your Bibles? <laughs> Did Saul fight the battles for them? There was one big one he didn't want to fight. What was his name? Goliath. 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 Chickened out. So even though they're hoping and praying, oh, this is going to solve all our problems, obviously it doesn't. And God sees that and warns that they still want to be like everybody else. They wanted to be accepted. They wanted to blend in. They didn't want to be the odd ones out. They feared missing out, and they feared that fear dominated their thinking, and it destroyed their faith. Guys, this is a struggle for us. Mm -hmm. This is a struggle for us. We have a fear as followers of Jesus that we will miss out on what others can do when they don't have the shackles on them to have to sacrifice for God. They get to sleep in on Sundays, don't they? Where'd my Sunday morning go? They got to watch the World Cup Final on Sunday. I was literally preaching while the game was happening. And I was talking about how I wanted to be watching the game. That's not a good place to be. Man, you know, they don't have to give all their money away like we do. Man, they can keep it for themselves. What are What's all the things I can do with all the money I give to the church? Man, they seem to have time to go out and do all kinds of things that I don't have time to do. They're always on vacation. They're always, right? They're always on vacation. I'm not always on vacation. Their Instagram and Facebook posts look so good. <laughs> They are beautiful. They never have a bad day. (laughs) Ever. They are living the life of luxury. And I wish my life was like them. It reminds me of the song. Mm -hmm. Psalm 73, in verse 4 and 5, Asaph relates, and at one point was saying, man, look at them. They have no struggles. It's like every post is perfect. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're never sick never have the flu, never have breakouts. (laughs) They are not plagued by the human ills that I am plagued with. And he's wrestling with that. In verse 13, he says this, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. In other words, I've lived a pure life in vain. I I have struggled to keep my life free from impurity, free from immorality, free from worldliness. And it must have been in vain. I could have been out there having fun. I could have been out there partying like everybody else. I could have been dating the world. I could have been on all the websites. I could have been swiping right to my heart's delight.
1: Come on.
0: Come on, God. The older ones can ask the younger ones later. It's okay. I could be living the carefree life. And feeling all the pleasures. Certainly there are no real consequences to just doing a little bit of this. How quickly we're deceived, right?
1: That's right. Just
0: like those commercials. That's
1: right.
0: I watched a Dunkin' Donuts commercial about 50 times getting ready for this lesson, and I now I want a smoked sausage from Dunkin' Donuts.
1: <laughs>
0: Didn't think about it before that. How quickly we're deceived. And as Asaph himself realizes, as he's writing, and you can see it here, he gets to that point. He says they're swept away by terrors. Surely they're on slippery grounds. Mm-hmm. Those who are far from you will perish. Good thing he comes to his senses. And you destroy all who are unfaithful to you. Verse 28, for as for me, it is good to be near God. Yes. Let's all say that line together. Yes. As for me, it is good, good to be near God. God. I hope you believe that.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: It says, I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. It's my hiding place. Where I go when I'm feeling FOMO. I will tell all of your deeds. There is no solid ground except with God. And the posts look pretty, and they are. But true emptiness is a life without eternal purpose. We know that all too well. We've been there, we've seen it. And not being right with our Creator leaves a void in our souls. And we try to fill it with anything and everything, but it doesn't satisfy. And we're left full of envy and bitterness. FOMO is actually a close cousin to what philosophers call the paradox of hedonism. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Hedonism is pleasure. It's pleasure-seeking. And one pleasure is never enough. That's right. It always leaves you wanting more. Yeah. All right. The, the, the teacher in Ecclesiastes calls it a chasing after the wind. Mm-hmm. Chasing after the wind. He says whoever loves money, as an example, never has enough. That's right. yeah. So it goes like this. It's a paradox. It's a trap. It's a cycle of dissatisfaction. Right. Yeah. No yeah. amount of money is ever enough when money is the goal. Right. no relationship is ever enough if the relationship is the goal in or outside the church Yes. no pleasure or drug or accomplishment or promotion or amount of applause is ever enough when self gain is the goal yeah. Yeah. so Arlene now is going to share a little bit and give us another perspective on this topic and uh, begin to help us find some spiritual solutions oh. to phone
1: there we go Well, you find solutions, right, when you recognize there's a problem, you know, and I think for me, spiritually, the only reason this has been something that I have built deep convictions on is because I've gone through it and and had to be honest that I've been dealing with it. Some say that FOMO is at near epidemic proportions, and it's obviously a pervasive topic. It enters into our lives in all different ways, like John explained Um, It's not just a modern problem, although we have modern implications, uh, but there is other ways that we struggle with this. For me personally, FOMO definitely uh, manifests itself in phone usage and social media usage. And I don't know if you noticed, but even driving you know we we don't own a car in New York City so we don't get on the roads much but when we rent a car and we get out there and we're driving along I see the signs that I thought I've seen for many years because I used to drive in California and in New York growing up for many years and I always recognized these kind of stay alive signs you remember they were yellow stay alive and what I thought it said because you know muscle memory I remember many years ago it said stay alive don't drink and drive right But no, today they say, stay alive, don't text and drive. It's interesting, right? It's changed. They used to be don't drink and drive. And now, you know, the International Journal of Risk Analysis in May of 2018, this year, found that talking on a cell phone while driving increased the risk of crashing by two times. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But then when texting, it increased the risk at least six times. So, you see the reason for these signs. Yeah. And yet, folks are still choosing to text and drive, understanding that, you know, they take their lives at risk, then into their own hands. And it's literally become the drug of choice. It's no longer the alcohol that you're worried about. You're worried about somebody is texting somebody, checking their newsfeed, or what status update they're posting. In a survey, Mashable found that up to 56% of social media users suffer from this syndrome spurred by the constant check-ins, likes, tweets, and other visions that clog our personal feeds. Yeah. FOMO is a demanding king, to say the least, mm-hmm. right? The things that it requires of us, it also exacts, um, it exacts an emotional toll, right? It triggers anxiety, depression, and what one writer coined, an acute comparisonitis. This idea that all the people, uh, whether it's in our social media network, friends online, that we have to keep up with them. Yep. And You know, I remember hearing kind of a, a cliche as a kid, keeping up with the Joneses. Remember that? And, and usually that referred to the folks that live to your right and to your left, right? But now, it's keeping up with the Joneses, the Jacksons, the Williams, the Juarezes, the Jimenezes, the the Markowskis. I mean, all of the folks that you know on on your friend list. It's thousands that you're trying to keep up with. And this is FOMO. The the last factor can wreak havoc on our finances when we attempt to keep up with these millions of imaginary lifestyles while ignoring the real bottom line, like what's in our pocket, you know, what we can actually afford. Um, and then thanks to the likes of Facebook, Foursquare, Instagram, FOMO creates this natural, you know, maybe virtual measuring stick that you can never live up to. So we're constantly trying to look at these thousands of friends online and see what they're going through. The problem is phobo is a type of modern anxiety in and of itself, this frenzied multitasking, but it involves a lot of sounds, a lot of buzzing. It's, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had those phantom buzz, and you're like, wait, I, th-. Yeah. and you're like, oh, nobody, nobody texted me. <laughs> but, but like, then you turn it on because you're like wondering, and maybe, maybe I missed it by mistake, and maybe something else, and you know, it's, it's, it engages all of our senses, right? And so it calls to us from all these different ways, the ping, the buzzing, the lighting. I don't know if you've had all of that happen at once, you know, but it's its calling out to us. So we've created somehow this illusion that we can do it all, we can answer it all, and it won't stretch us to our outermost limits, which is not true, Right. So then the living our best life, this goal of being, you know, the very best and making the most, it actually makes us feel more like life stinks yeah. because we're always looking at somebody else and realizing their lives look better, right? Their lives look more fulfilling and somehow they look as though they were chronicled by some professional photographer and maybe even a hair and makeup crew. Yes. Yeah. Am I right? I'm like, what? what you know what products do you use you know and it's just incredible that we look at these kind of highlight reels and imagine that it's an attainable way of life and it's somehow something that we can continue personally it seems like fomo affects women in a more direct and self-deprecating way and you know maybe that is why because I'm a woman I feel this more but it also feels like women are judged by more stringent um, appearance, kind of regulations than men are. And so the standards of female beauty are oftentimes considerably higher and more inflexible. So women are continually bombarded with images of an ideal face, an ideal body. And and one writer that I, I was reading about this actually said that the ideal body is called the official body. So it's not just ideal, it's official. It's everything less than perfect is subpar, is ugly, is, just to be looked away from. So this constant exposure to the idealist images of female beauty on TV, magazines, billboards, through social media, it makes exceptional good looks seem normal. And I I shared this story before because it's so amazing. We live in New York City, right? And folks, you know, outside of the tourist traps, most folks are super fit in New York because we walk everywhere. We walk miles and miles. I mean, I checked each day i'm usually walking about five miles on a slow day and and you know i you do end up eating quite a bit but it 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 works out you walk it off right so people are generally healthier and more fit and so one day i was in a whole foods where people are even actually trying to eat healthier than most right and i remember walking in and seeing this woman and she had to have been like six four with heels on She was this tall, beautiful, thin, gazelle looking woman. And and she was like at least a head taller than most people in the whole, men and women, in the whole entire store. You know, and she had, like, a few little things. She was on the express line, obviously. She probably only shops for two items at a time. But I'm sitting there pushing my card, like, full with stuff. And, and she is just walking past this crowd, and it almost was like the Red Sea parting and people's heads turning and looking at, looking up at her, you know, and beautiful woman. And, and the thought in my head is, what country does she come from that everyone looks like her? You know, and then I realized, wait a second. Maybe she is the very best byproduct of her country. And they've sent her to the United States, right? (laughs) And here she is. And she's in my neighborhood because the magazine photo shoot places are right down the block. And they're taking pictures of her. And they're putting her on the cover of the magazine. And all of us look at her and go, why don't I look like that? (laughs) Meanwhile, she's the only one in her country, (laughs) probably in all of the world, that looks like that. But that's what we look at. And that's what we measure ourselves against. It's estimated that young women today now see more images of outstandingly beautiful women in one day than their mothers and their grandmothers saw in their entire adolescence. In one day. They're exposed to so many of these images. I'm not even gonna get into what this does to the young male mind, but for a woman, it's this constant comparison and feeling as though I will never measure up. We really are in a spiritual battle for our lives. The Bible says in Romans chapter one and verse 20 that man can easily recognize God's qualities by merely observing creation and that man is left with no excuse. But in verse 25 it tells us that instead we chose to exchange the truth of God for a lie. Have you ever bought into a lie willingly? You've opened up an app, or checked your news feed, or stared at some photo, and you know it's a lie. But you chose to believe that lie, that their lives are perfect and without struggle, and then by comparison, you are somehow lacking something essential. Maybe the lie was that by comparison to the image set before you, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not beautiful or fit enough, You're not traveled enough, and you're not social enough. Whatever that lie is, it's coming face to face with it. A little over a year ago, I had to come face to face with the lies in my life. Like I said, building that conviction meant I was struggling through some various um, battles with who I was and how I thought. So the lie I was choosing to believe that everybody else was feeling better than I was. Now, a friend of mine, one of my closest friends, it had been a few months after she had passed away, and um, she'd been struggling with cancer for many years, and I had enough money to get out there and to be with her, actually, as she passed. She's the woman that helped me to become a Christian, my dearest sister, the person that I I looked up to the most, and it was so incredible to be there, but I couldn't afford to go back uh, when she did have the funeral you know, after her um, passing. And so I looked online to check who went and if they had posted anything and what comments were there. And that just started daily kind of checking in. what How's her family doing? And is there anything else anybody said? And I don't know if you can relate, you kind of start trolling, you know? And and it's in this weird, twisted way, I felt like that was a part of my morning was just kind of trolling the internet to find out what else was going on. I did this for days, days on end. Any moment that I had, I would start to look. And then I I got hooked into checking not just that and things surrounding her passing, but all things on my newsfeed. So recognizing that even people that knew her, they were moving on with their lives and they were happy and posting other things. And so suddenly I felt like, what's wrong with me? Everybody else is moving forward and I'm stuck. And I'm sitting here just like looking for things to feed this hole. And it's interesting because researchers in two different German universities looked at Facebook data and found that people had negative feelings when using social media because they saw seemingly perfect lives of their friends. But it's not surprising when we recognize that data, but it's something that we refuse to accept because we keep on going back to it, right? So, spiritual me, I recognize this is not healthy. <laughs> It took me a little while, but I recognize this is not healthy. I need to stop. I shouldn't be comparing my life to that of those on social media, essentially people's exaggerated highlight reel. I get it. I needed to take a step back from Facebook. So I stopped checking and, you know, Satan knows whenever we make a spiritual decision, he recognizes, okay, she closed that front door. Let's go check the back door. And so... I, I got one of these social media notifications. I thought I'd turn those off, but I got one anyway, and there's the ping. And I thought, oh, somebody posted something, and you know, it's funny because it will send you that email, and a little bit, like a little teaser, right? But as soon as you click the email, it doesn't tell you anything. So <laughs> I'm like, man, you know, programmers are so smart. <laughs> and so I looked, and, and it wasn't just like this highlight reel, Photoshop picture. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll click on this because it was a request for prayer. And I thought, surely I want to know what this is. And it, it was from a friend also back in California who had experienced a sudden stroke. And the family members were requesting prayer. And I thought, absolutely, I need to pray. And I kept checking back day after day to see what the updates were. But after a while, things became clear that this uh, the person that had the stroke, that he wasn't going to win this battle. And the post turned into memorials and then turned into mourning. And I spent days, again, reading, going through everybody's pain. You know, the things, memories, and I mean, all the folks had knew him. And this was an evangelist in our church for many years that he had so many different circles. The problem is that the process of taking on everybody else's pain left me exhausted and even despondent and depressed. I was on that hook again. In in a spiritual way, right? I thought I was actually doing something helpful. In another study in 2013, they concluded that people who experience FOMO are more inclined to use social media sites because they feel the need to stay connected. Before social media, the cell phone and the cell phone surface, people typically only knew what their friends were doing because they were with them. Today, however, people can search for what they missed with the click of a button. Yeah. See, John and I had moved. We were part of the church in L.A. for many years before we moved to New York. So we knew thousands of folks in the L.A. church. And and some of you that have moved from throughout the Northeast or from other congregations recognize, you know, in our church, we build a big family, right? But then I moved to New York, I met thousands more, so the idea that I could actually keep up with thousands there and thousands here was so far-fetched and so unrealistic. But I held that over myself. So consequently, I also became, uh, started seeing a counselor around the same time because of the loss of my friend. And then dealing also with this perspective with media usage, I realized quickly, okay, there's something that I have to step away from. I have to create a boundary. It's not just that um, I turn off notifications. I, I have to actually make something very clear. So although the, friend, the, the news of my friend was important, you know, what they were going through, it was helpful to know what to pray for uh, and to extend compassion, it wasn't the reality that I was living in on a daily basis. The reality was I would probably only have seen him maybe once a year, maybe once every couple of years at a large conference and even his children who I'm also friends with. All of those things, there were limited little interactions and yet I was allowing the information that was going on in lives across the country to affect not just my daily but my hourly life. You know, somebody that I wouldn't see on an annual or weekly or monthly basis was affecting every moment of my day. I decided no more constant Facebook, why? Because I personally was too vulnerable to Satan's schemes, uh, whether it was comparison or that unhealthy empathy. So 1 Corinthians 10:12 says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Romans 12, three says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I had to be honest about my boundaries. Yeah. I had to come face to face with, how did these things affect me, really? Do they leave me distracted do they leave me despondent i needed to be sober so i decided i would only check facebook once a week for 20 minutes with someone else present and and i did that because left to my own devices i will free fall down a rabbit hole okay i don't know if some of you relate to that and i needed to be able to still check the invitations because no matter how many times i tell people pick up a phone and call me they send me Facebook things. And so I thought, all right, I'll just check that. And that's it once a week and keep it there. And I didn't see like some remarkable shift, like immediately I thought, surely life is gonna change miraculously around me. And it didn't. And yet John started noticing differences. And that's always a marker when the people around you notice a difference before you do. And he, and he told me, he said, you know, you seem happier. You're a lot more present. And, and you're focused. You're here with us. And I thought, wow, what was I like before? You know, <laughs> that's concerning. But interestingly, fighting the pull towards comparison or missing out has not been a one-punch knockout for me. It's a, not just a one boundary and I'm cured, but it's a constant decision. Recently, my daughter and I even talked about this social media break. And it's funny because I shared some of this lesson Uh, earlier in July, and I went back to her and said, so when do you want to start? She goes, I already erased everything from my phone. I was like, wow, you're so good. Okay, so (laughs) I erased the Instagram, and I erased the Facebook, and all of that stuff, which is so funny, because it was her conviction that she, it wasn't me, she decided, listen, let's take a break over the summer so that way we could be more focused with our family. But the fear of missing out had become an abusive and exacting king in my life. Instead, I needed a just king, someone not affected by the unrealistic virtual measuring stick, a king that wasn't out to sell me something with a ballooning monthly subscription, a king that judged me by the content of my character and not by my social media content, a king that could provide peace in my life and not leave me feeling more anxious with every interaction. Bottom line, I needed a new king. Bottom line, I needed Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no need to check for a status update with Jesus. His calling and his content are an anchor for my soul. Unlike the shifting sands of social media, by taking my time back and fixing my eyes on him who is never changing and always inviting, I'm filled up again. I'm filled with acceptance, just as I am. I'm filled with a comfort that I can overcome, because he overcame. And I'm filled with the security that I'm not alone, even if I'm surrounded by thousands of friends, virtually or physically, I always have my Jesus. With Jesus before me, I'm assured that I'm not missing the most important hashtag relationship goals, because an eternal relationship with my Heavenly Father is the only goal that I need to focus on.
0: Fear of missing out is a disease that's only cured by one thing. That's Jesus. He's the antidote. And he gave it all up without the fear of missing out because he had the faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. That's where the answer is. When Satan offered him the world, he didn't take it. When he could have called on all the thousands of angels to avoid the cross, he didn't. He said, what I have is something better. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, I'm happy to miss out on the world's way. That way I see is leading me nowhere. Instead, I have Jomo. That's the joy of missing out. Okay, that's right. I hope you feel this personally. I do. My life in Christ is filled to the brim. Yes. The adventures, the friendships, the experiences, yeah. the connections, the stories, the struggle, the realness, the hope. I'd never trade it in for a life of convenience That's and right. ease. Oh. Who writes books about convenience and ease? Right? What inspires you about reading a story of a person's life where everything they do is easy? You don't read that book. Yeah. You read about overcoming, struggle, yes, perseverance. You do. I'm so proud of the disciples in Manhattan. And you, uh, I know, if you heard and met all the disciples, and this is an invitation to anyone that wants to come visit the church in New York City. Uh, They are in the world, but not caught up in the world. Broadway performers, executives, athletes, actors, musicians, business owners, the ones who thrive are the ones who live their life in faith and not in fear. Uh, When it comes time to go to church and everyone else is at the office late, they're like, I got to go. When they get a call back for a part on the show or they got a cuss or they got to take off their clothes, the answer is no. Uh, One of our brothers told the director, I can't say those words in the script and he was worried he was going to get cut. The director changed the words to the script. Our sister Wendy, who you saw playing the keyboard in the main session in there, yeah, she's a music director on Broadway, playing the piano on stage, right? She she does that where she's in the orchestra pit and she plays with one hand and conducts the orchestra with the other, right? That's her. That's your sister in Christ, who you'll see playing more. Wendy finished directing the show Mama Mia after 14 years, and she wanted to settle into being a family person, being with her husband, being with her daughter who's a teenager and studying the Bible, and shows kept knocking down her door, please come Wendy, we need you, we want you, and she's like, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm trying to be with the family right now, I can't be out late at night doing the shows, I'm trying to invest, and God bless, Uh, her and her husband Ken, they got to baptize their teenage daughter, Mom. And then... Then, because God does this, she gets in touch with the biggest show on Broadway, Hamilton, Yeah. yeah. which probably none of you have seen, because no one can get tickets, except <laughs> maybe a couple who did the lottery. Uh, and she has a meeting with Alex Lacamoire, and they're begging her, come in, yeah. be full-time. Sorry, guys, I can only do some part-time work. Yeah. Uh, no one says no to Hamilton.
1: That's right.
0: She said no to Hamilton. Yes,
1: she did. Yes, and she did. she's
0: not missing out. She's That's doing right. awesome. That's right. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 29, it reminds yes. us that you give all this up, God gives it to you a hundredfold. Not just in the next life, but right now.
1: Yes, He does. There
0: was a brother named, uh, a man named Ray. Uh, I'll share about him in a minute, actually. I want to share this first. Yes. Have you guys ever had one of these? <laughs> I see the women raising their hand.
1: Uh.
0: Okay. So uh, some men say.
1: Be honest, be honest. I know.
0: It's a Luna bar, and um, I was eating, it was delicious, I don't know where I got it, but it had nuts and chocolate, that's it for me, I'm good. And um, I'm eating it, I'm loving it, and then I, I turn it around, uh, just to read, like, what, the, what is this all about? And I start reading, uh, in 1999, we created Luna, the first nutrition bar for women. I thought, I don't know what's happening on my insides right now, but it was sure delicious. <laughs> And then I look up on the upper right-hand side, and I see this little sentence that says, be with someone who makes you happy. Mm. And then the word with is crossed out. Come on. And that really spoke to me. I'm like, wait a minute. This bar has it right.
1: Yes, it does. I don't need someone
0: else for me to have internal peace. I need a relationship with God. I need to be that person right. that is content because I decide to be without being dependent on all the stuff or the people That's that the right. world says I need in order to be content. Uh, yep. And that and that was this young man Ray, right here, mm-hmm. to the left. This is Ray and Millie, uh, mother and uh, and her son. And Ray had it all. Back in the day, Ray was a model, an athlete, a boxer with 17 knockouts. Uh, He was an actor making money in New York City. Uh, He lived with FOMO all his life. He would talk to you about it, and he committed to doing it all. And he did everything he wanted to do. He didn't miss out on a thing. And where did it get him? He would tell you and told the church, regret, in debt, in all kinds of sin. And he had multiple kids with multiple different women, even lost track of all the kids he had. His mother, Millie, became a Christian. And dragged him to church early on, but it didn't take. The seed didn't plant. And for 22 years, she's been reaching out to him. Yes. And every single Sunday that I see Millie, the mama of the whole church, she's the most fired up in the whole church. She's yes. just, you'll hear her in the back saying words that people don't really understand. Somewhere in between English and Spanish. We heard her one time. I was preaching and she goes, die. Die. <laughs> So that became like a thing that all the campus students were saying. I, like, I didn't know what it was connected to, but it was awesome. It was fired up. It was
1: be nice. And every
0: Sunday I would see her, she'd come, John, John, she's about four foot eight. John, please pray for my son Ray. Yes. Every single time I'd see her. Yes. Did I mention Ray is 70 years old? <laughs> Ray is 70 years old. And recently he did come back, start studying the Bible. And one of the main challenges we gave him, you got to reconcile with all these uh, families that you've started. You've got to get out there and have some good conversations and make peace. And uh, he did it all without hesitation. He's like, i got to get right with God. And there was a guy in L.A. Uh, simultaneously who came across some of Ray's headshots because he's still acting. And immediately this guy said, that's my father. 3,000 miles away, he finds Ray on the East Coast. It was the son he never knew he had. Wow. Ray flies to California, shares his faith and tells his newfound son all that he's doing and all that he's found yes. in his relationship with God. There's so much emotion it triggers a seizure. He hits the ground face down first, goes to the ER, wakes up, realizes he could have died, flies back to New York immediately, cuts the, short, sh- the trip short, and says, "Please baptize me now. <laughs> I got to get baptized. So this is what happened." And this is Ray, 70 years old, getting baptized just a few weeks ago. And you can't hear it, but Millie, Millie in the background, as, as we're dunking him, you can't hear it, but in, in the background, Millie is saying, get him all the way down. Get him all the way down. Make sure he's down. And die. You know, like she's into it. <laughs> <laughs> Millie, Millie turns 90 this Saturday. Oh, yes.
1: Yes. And I tell
0: you what, the best birthday gift is knowing that her boy is going to heaven with her. That's right.
1: That's right. Are you
0: suffering from FOMO today? Okay. <laughs> Are you suffering from comparisonitis, envy, regret with the sacrifices that you made as a disciple? If so, I have great news. God gave Israel a second chance yes. in their faithless fear. God gave Ray a second chance and his fear a lifetime. Yes. And he's given you and I a second chance as well. Yes. Don't forget how valuable you are to God. Yes. You can't quantify the talks that you've had with people in the kingdom of God. Right. The times that you were encouraged, lifted up, even just a hug, you can't quantify that. You can't put a dollar sign on someone's conversion. Right? You can't post a picture of all the ugly Praying, crying, snotting yeah. you know, like you can post it, but it doesn't translate. No,
1: no, no. Those, those
0: ugly cry moments where it's all
1: coming Just out, and oh, I
0: can, I, you know, you post that, people are like, you know, what is going on with this guy? But those are the times that change your life. It's
1: true, yes, and nobody sees it. In
0: John seven. In verse 24, it says, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Make a right judgment. That's right. We got to grow up and grow out of comparing our lives to what we see in others. That's mere appearance.
1: That's right.
0: Make a right judgment. Yes, be on social media. Post the pretty. Amen. Post this class. Post when you have a good hair day. That's awesome. That's great. Watch your friends. But when it starts to creep, you've got right. to leap. All right. You got to get out. You got to do what Arlene says, right? I have a challenge for you guys. The challenge is this. We saw the luna bar earlier, right? What's the thing that you have to come to terms missing out on? Mm-hmm. In other words, what's the word in your line in your life that you need to cross out? Mm-hmm. In the luna bar, it was the answer is well I got to be with the right person in order to be happy. Right. What is it for you that you feel like you just have to have? in order to be happy. Because if it's not God, it's not right. Yeah, right. right. Identify the fear. Write it down. Set it on your calendar. Send yourself a push notification of that word. Start a fight with your fear.
1: That's right. To cross it out. Amen.
0: Because to truly live life, the world says you got to have the right phone, the right cable company, the right partner, to be with the right airline, you got to have the right clothes, and on and on. You're bombarded with this. Yeah. But the creator of all things says he's already given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's the only right we need.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. Israel wanted a king, but God already had set one up. Yes. Took a while till they were ready. But for him, it was King Jesus. Yes. And we get to live mm-hmm. under his rule and reign. Mm-hmm. In John 16:33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is the cure to FOMO. He will always. Amen. Uh, we have a few minutes of fellowship and hang out before you guys get on. Thank you guys so much for being here. Appreciate it.